Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is official. We are not anywhere near as interesting or unpredictable as we thought we were. Apparently, we humans are all easily categorised after all. And if you're not one of just four personality types, then you don't count at all. Don Neeson is here and we'll be running the rule over our politicians, our celebrities and even each other to discover exactly who and what they and we are. First up on the agenda, though, uh, is the increasing criminalisation of this country of ours. Not content with allowing drug gangs armed with knives and guns the freedom of our cities... Uh, there is a new epidemic hitting seaside resorts and small market towns, making crack cocaine and heroin widely available to the entire nation. Most worrying of all is the new gang policy of using young local boys and girls to be the couriers. This new breed are known as the county line gangs, and they're making billions of pounds a year. What on earth is going on? 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll visit the glamour of the Brits at the Emmy Awards, and we'll be asking just exactly what do you have to do to qualify as a charity? I'm thinking of starting one myself 0344 499 1000 you're listening to me Mike Graham and Don Neeson on Talk Radio The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio He doesn't drink this is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344-499-1000. Dawn Neeson is here. We're trying to make out uh, a list of people uh, that you would say have one of four personality types. I'll read out uh, the personality types to you once more because we want you uh, to tweet us in. A couple of people have already tweeted uh, in that uh, Julia Hartley Brewer and uh, Karen Brady, uh, Lady Brady or Dame Brady, uh, are both role models. Uh, they can be role models. They can be self-centred. They can be average and they can be reserved. Uh, now, you can nominate as many people as you like. Please do, yes. We're going to be talking to a psychologist a little bit later on. Uh, a couple of people have nominated Lily Allen uh, yes. as well as self I've got a whole new category for her, don't worry. Have you? Okay, which so... I will reveal later on. Yes, indeed. There's now, several people in it. Yes, of course. Now, let's talk about this uh, drug story, though, because on the front page of the Daily Mail this morning, we've got Anne Longfield, uh, who's the Children's Commissioner, and she's basically said that in Norfolk, police have made more than 700 arrests and held 126 children. Right, I'll say that again. Yep. 126 children. Now, just imagine 126 children in a room, mm-hmm. and that's the scale of the yep. problem, right? Uh, that's a lot of kids on suspicion of dealing drugs. She yeah. said that no child is safe. She's likening 
linking this crisis to the scandal of the child sex grooming gangs operating in towns like Rotherham. Now, they've managed to, I think, finally get their heads around these uh, child sex grooming gangs. You know, they finally admitted that but actually we did it, could it. Be, it could be a problem related to Pakistani men. We did ignore it for speaking. an awful long time yes, we did. for the fear police, of being accused racist or well, whatever. They, and the police have admitted that they made massive errors in that particular yes. situation. Uh, and even when kids were reporting that things were happening, they weren't doing anything about it. Now, presumably, she doesn't want the same thing to happen here. She I, says that issue, I'm talking about the sex grooming, was made a national priority. In fact, it was made a national threat yeah. alongside terrorism and national security. And I think this is just the same. It can be tackled, children can be protected, and this can be prevented. Well, I mean, do something about it then. That's the problem. How do you prevent it? She's coming out with all this, which is fine and brilliant. And yes, we do need to concentrate on this issue because it is a growing issue. But no one actually appears to be doing anything about it. We're all talking about it. And there are lots of initiatives being put into place, but nothing actually seems to be actively being done. Yeah, I, I think mean, the bottom line in crime in this country now is because the criminals have worked out that there's a very good chance that if they do commit a crime, they will get away with it. That they, they are basically now no longer kind of frightened of being caught. No. You know, if you watch what goes on in London with these moped gangs, uh, with the knife crime uh, situation, the statistics that we see every day, you get situations like the one in Regent Street. I think it was last year. Somebody just ram raided the Apple yep. store and basically drove a yep. car into the front window, grabbed a load of stuff, got back in the car, drove away. Now, I don't know whether they got caught or not, but they obviously don't feel that they're going to get caught, so they're going to do it. Well, there's a story today about a career burglar who has literally walked free after 45 different offences. Literally walked free from court Mm. because... No one really can be bothered to do much about it. So you, you commit the crime and yeah. you're not doing the time anymore. Yeah, you exactly. are literally just being let go. Burglars, mm. shoplifting, all of these things. Yeah. So minor drug dealing. Mm-mm. But surely if you are, I mean, I think it probably does go back as well, does it not, to the lack of police presence on the streets. I mean, you can probably count on the fingers of one hand if you go to a, a rural town, yep. say like Devizes. Yep. I say Devizes because I used to live quite near there uh, in Wiltshire. You would not very often see a you police car. No. You would never see a police officer no. walking around, no. ever. Well, I mean, to be fair, you don't see that in East London that often, and we do have a proper issue yeah. with drugs. And I mean, crime. we do. I mean, I, I mean, I would say that a day does not go by in, in in London where I don't see a police car or I don't see, um, you know, a blue light flashing or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, because, yeah. Because there does seem to be a lot more coverage of it here than there was. But in in this, some of these little towns, you don't see any police no. at all whatsoever. No. You know, no, you don't absolutely. And they are targeting teenagers with low self esteem as yeah. well. So it's easy to understand how kids are getting drawn into it, and the parents are might not. be bad parents, mm. they just might not be aware of what's going on. Well, you know, teenagers I mean, can be very secretive, Mike. Well, they can, but I think if you can, you don't, if you can't tell that your children are involved with a drug gang, I think there's something massively wrong well, with the way that you're I running your life. I, I have a bit of sympathy for some parents here really? because, I, yeah, I do think I it's... have no sympathy for them. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you're none. so harsh. Well, it's not, it's not a question of being harsh. It's a question of if you have children, you should know what they're doing. You know, my 14-year-old son uh, is, I would say, as likely as anybody uh, to be picked on as one of these possible yeah. couriers, drug couriers, something like that, right? If, if, if I did not know that that was happening, I would consider myself to be a really, really bad parent. Did your parents know what you were getting up to all the time when you were Most a teenager? Most of the time they knew that I was a reasonably intelligent young bloke and I was never going to start See, they got that dealing, wrong. I wouldn't, they wasn't going to start dealing heroin uh, because they couldn't watch me every minute of the day. But 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 they didn't know what you were up to all the time, no, did they? they? Didn't. No, but that's my point. It's not about telling them that you're going to be on their case all no. the time because you can't be on their case no. all the time. But you are, as a parent, 
parent absolutely and utterly filled with the responsibility to teach values to your own children. Yeah, absolutely. So you teach them not to be criminals. You teach them not to get involved with drugs. You teach them not to get involved with drug gangs. And kids will ignore you. No, they won't. They will ignore they will you. Not. Oh, Mike, honestly. Listen, I've got Come four on. kids, okay? None of them are in the drug business, okay? Not that you know. So you've got no not kids. You're you telling know. me that I know less than you do. No, I don't. I know, absolutely. But I do think that some parents are... You know, or maybe sort of like, you know, want help with this issue and they're not getting Why the do help they need. They help? need Why, you know, it's just what I don't We can't understand. all be good parents like you. Well, everybody should be a good parent. Otherwise, don't have children. What is the point of having them if you're not going to teach them to be good people? Yeah, no, I agree. It should be the case, but it the isn't. Reason, the reason I'm arguing like this is because, you know, either this story is wrong uh-huh. and the kids that are being signed up by these drug gangs are, in fact, kids that would probably end up in a criminal world anyway. And we're just making it into something that's not. It's not. Or uh, we are, in fact, dealing with a situation where many, many more parents are not aware of what their own children are up to. Well, maybe it's like I guess Tony said earlier on. Maybe it is the fact that parents these days are are different to parents of our generation. Mm. Um, and they are so wrapped up in their own world and they're on their own phones. And maybe. Both parents are out to work. Yeah. It could be a big issue here as well. well. Both parents have been out to work for many, many years. I mean, this is not a new thing. No, I know, you I know. know my but... parents both worked. You know, lots of people's parents both worked. Yep. Yours probably both worked they as did. well. You know, you didn't go running off and join a drug gang, did you? No. And you could have done because you were living in East London. <laughs> I don't know what I Even, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, they yeah. had some pretty big drug gangs operating. We want to hear from yes. some of you, though. 0344 499 uh, Because, you know, if you particularly if you live in some of these more rural parts of Britain... You know, where, you know, you would not expect this kind of activity to be going on. And so it must be changing. I mean, if Norwich has had this number of arrests of young people, then the streets of Norwich must look very different to the ones that they looked uh, yeah, 10 years yeah. ago. Do you know what I mean? And, and there wasn't, wasn't there, um, uh, in Ipswich, I think recently, yeah. there was a young kid killed in a drug yes. gang thing as well, yeah. wasn't there? So... You it's know, a terribly it's... pernicious thing, but I think the point is we have to do something about it before it gets a lot worse. 50,000 youngsters may yeah. be peddling drugs, yeah. according to the Children's Commissioner. Yeah. I mean, that's just not acceptable. No. Well, Norfolk County Council have launched an initiative, oh, good. a £250,000 dedicated task force. Yeah, let's spend a load more to money protect children. that the taxpayers have given And you. they're doing what, exactly? Yeah, what does a task force do? Does it have a know. bus I, I, yeah. that goes around <laughs> picking them up when they're on the streets to stop them from selling anything? They're I mean, working... it really beggars belief how useless these people are. Well, they're working extremely hard according to this report here. Well, of course they are. I mean, you know, these are the same people that tell you that they haven't got any money, uh, that they've got no funding from central government, that they'll need to, you know, put the begging bowl out and all this. To be fair, the statement they've issued here is that they do state, Mike, that um, they do think parents have a role to play in this. Oh, good. Brilliant. (laughs) Fantastic. That's a quarter of a million pound worth of research. I mean, maybe they should actually start interviewing parents before they have children to see what they know about uh, being being a parent, to see what they're actually going to teach their children uh, before they actually have the kids. So this is the Mike Graham stupid test before you're a parent. Well, it's not necessarily stupid. I mean, you can be stupid but still well-meaning. You can be yeah, stupid but still but teach, it helps teach your kids sort of good like values. I mean, you can be very intelligent uh-huh. and teach your kids no values okay. whatsoever. So, Mike, so what, it's not as simple as that. What happens if you don't pass this test? Then you can't have children. Right, OK. And how do you stop people having children, Mike? Uh, well, there was a young girl up in Scotland, age 12, who mm-hmm. became Britain's youngest mum yep. when I was working up there, I seem to remember. And uh, she, uh, nobody really believed that she wouldn't do it again. 
they let her have the first child yeah. because that would have been wrong for her not to. Yeah. Uh, but they put a little implant into her arm, mm-hmm. which meant that she could not become pregnant mm-hmm. for the next three years. Yeah. Right. Uh, the implant was, um, you know, a hormonal thing, mm-hmm. similar to any kind of birth control yeah. that you take any other in any other way. And so she was not able to have any more children until she reached the age of consent, which was sixteen. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know what happened because I left Scotland, so I've no idea. Okay. She, she may well, she may well have been given another implant. But Mike, she was a child, so you yeah. can do that with children yeah. because they are vulnerable; they need protecting, as yeah. this report says. But if you've got a woman and a man yeah. who want a child yeah. and they don't pass your test, yeah. how how do you stop them having a family? Well, because I think you do what we call in the social services industry <laughs> a joint approach, right, whereby you do education along with prevention so that as well as telling them um, that they can't have a child at this time, you mm-hmm. say you might be able to have one in the future mm-hmm. uh, once you've educated yourselves right. and once you've worked out how a parent should actually right. operate, right? Yeah. And then uh, we will take you away from the uh, the prevention technique and we will let you have one. Right. But you need to think about it no, a bit more. It, it sounds... You can't just go off and have a kid and then just let them do whatever they want. It sounds like you need to set up a task force for this one. I mean, may, do have, may have to set up a task force. And <laughs> have of course, some taxpayers' money. What I don't want is any taxpayers' money. I've never had taxpayers' money in my life. I don't intend to start now. Uh, but I'll take some of your calls on this. I'm sure... As you can see, Dawn doesn't think my idea is that brilliant. 0344 499 1000 as a role model, uh, as per the independent uh, personality study. Uh, I'm sure many of you will agree with me because I make perfect sense, don't I? This is Talk Radio. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's start, though, uh, with Tim Gibson, who's with Cryonics UK, because, Dawn, I don't know how much you know about cryogenics, but it's a business which has been going for quite a long time, uh, very big in America. Uh, I once interviewed a guy who was running a cryogenics laboratory where many, many people had gone to him, paid $30,000 for the privilege of having their body frozen in the hope that sometime in the future they would be brought back to life and they could live in the future. So let me get this straight. There is actually not the science in place at the moment No, that means this can happen. Mm. So you go along, you hand over a lot of money yeah. and you die and then you're put in a giant freezer type Basically, thing. Yeah. And then to be kept in this giant freezer, your relatives, I'm assuming, have to carry on paying and paying and paying I until the science develops. Yeah, I don't know whether or is it's it a one-off payment. I think it may well be a one-off okay. payment. I'm not sure. Why don't we find out from Tim uh, how it works in Chronics UK. Tim, very good morning to you. Hi there. Thanks morning, very much for, for joining us. Have we got that loosely correct, or would you like to make um, any corrections? No, it, it's quite wrong, really. Um, ah. Essentially, it's just a giant ah. experiment. People sign up to an experiment. They're not signing up to a business proposition. Uh-huh. Um, they're very clear when they sign up that it may not work, but they have a choice. They can sign up, and maybe they'll succeed, or not sign so, up. Sorry, which, bit, sorry which bit of what we described is wrong, then? Uh, the bit where, well, you, the relatives don't keep paying. It's a one-off fee. I didn't, I didn't say right, that. Okay, no. No, I was asking uh, that question, I, I, so I don't I know. I corrected that. I think you'll find. Yeah, a big chunk of the money actually goes into a trust fund, which maintains the patients long-term. That's the that's part of the reason it costs quite a bit. How, How much does it cost? Oh, I was going to ask that. Well, it starts at about 30000 up to $200,000. Wow. $200,000. It depends on which package you want to take. So why don't you give us the cheapest and the most expensive? 
Well, the cheapest is uh, cheapest case we've ever done was twenty eight thousand pounds right. all in. Um, um, and what do you get? The most expensive one I've ever heard of was. $250,000. Okay. So, what, so what's the difference? What's the difference? If I got um, the £28,000 package, what do I get for that? Uh, you get a standby service, which is our charity job, uh, which is basically we sit by the bedside, wait for you to have cardiac arrest, then we put you onto life support, cool you down, carry out the blood washout and the preservation solutions, and ship you out to the States or to Russia, and then they do the preservation, and that's all in... That's, that is the cheapest case right. that we've ever done. It obviously can be more depending on exchange and rates. Is that the um, whole body? Because, I mean, you can just free, that's, that's freeze a head body. as well, can't you, evidently? You, you can you can do head only. Mm. Um, some people think that it's not necessary to keep the broken bits. You're after, after all, the main purpose is to just preserve information. So you need DNA, you need personality, memories. That's all in your head. Right. Somebody's asked me this in the past, Tim, and I don't know whether you can you can tell me. If you were, say, for example, suffering from some kind of terminal illness, like you were dying of cancer, um, yeah. would there be any point in preserving the body with the cancerous cells, or would you be better off without that? It's a matter of opinion, really. I mean, it, the principle is that in the future we're, we're looking at nanotechnology to solve these problems, which is essentially creating either mechanical or biological systems that go in and do the repairs. Yeah. So effectively, like biological systems now that make you better when you're ill, except they'll be engineered. Uh, so you could go in and fix these things. Well, but some people suggest, why bother if you're that clever? Just start with a new body. Uh, well, indeed, yeah. Yeah, can I have... I'd, I'd like L. McPherson's, please, when I come ah, okay. back, if I just put my head on there. That'd be fine, which, if that's which OK. Which L. McPherson body do you want? Do you want the one she had now or the one she had well, when she was 25? Well, if we get 25? frozen at the same time, well, now she's and not too about, bad. What about the 250000 uh, uh, cost? What do you get for that more than you would get for the 28000 Well, a big chunk of that, over hundred k goes into the trust fund. So that's basically putting more money aside. So if essentially you've got a safer fund... Um, the smaller fund that you get with the cheaper service obviously is more exposed yeah. to financial risk in the so, long term. So who's the who's the beneficiary of the trust fund? Mm, yeah, what happens? Uh, well, the the trust is basically there to look after its patients. Yeah, but there's no cost, is there, to keeping you dead? Is there? <laughs> yeah, liquid nitrogen costs money. Does Buildings it? cost money. Yeah. Right. So it's maintaining. I mean, it's a fantastic it. business, this Tim. I mean, my my it's question. It's not a business, though, is it? Well, it's it a is. Charitable pursuit. Well, why do you think it's a business? Well, because you're charging people quite a lot of money, right? And well, I I'm not putting any money in my pocket. Well, you don't get paid? No. Well, why do you I'm do it? I'm a volunteer. And I actually probably spend more money out of my own pocket right. than So than you're going to tell me that if I was to give you a quarter of a million dollars to preserve yeah, my body... I don't in, get to keep any of it. I wouldn't get... To, you would be spending all of that? No. Um, most of it would go to the, the service provider in the States which are either non-profit or charity status in the state. Um, and we would get our expenses for, for the work we do at this end. Okay. Uh, and if you're so you do not get some a regular money. member, we if you're not a regular member, there's a small fee of 5,000, I say small, relatively speaking, small, small fee. fee that goes into the charity. Not yeah, but why you, I mean, what I'm, under, what I'm sort of doubt, doubtful about is how why you, why you have to be a charity. Charities well, because charities don't pay tax. Well, charities don't pay tax, do they? 
Well, we don't make any profit, so that's kind of irrelevant. Well, it's um, not irrelevant at all, because but, you tell me you don't make any profits, but I haven't examined your book, so I don't know that for a fact. I imagine there no, are people but, but, in the United but luckily, States... Luckily, we have a regulator, and, and you're not the regulator, so you obviously don't know. No, I don't, do. but I mean, also, uh, you believe that in uh, transparency in, uh, in economics, I'm sure, and you were removed yeah. from charitable status, right, because the Charity Commission said it was a mistake to make you a charity. Yeah, and obviously the judge disagreed with them. The well, judge has the disagreed. The judge has disagreed, but I don't. I don't understand how a business like yours, albeit that it doesn't it's make any money, well, of course it's a business. No, a business is a is a uh, an activity carried on for profit. No, it's not. It's a, this is a research program that involves money to make it work, right. but like a hospital, for right. example. Okay. Right. Well, That's hospitals good. are businesses too. You know, it's only in this country that they're treated well, as if they're not. Well, exactly, they're not. They have charitable status here. And well, no, well the NHS is the NHS. A charity too. The point is, Tim, is how much of your 28,000 that you collect goes towards your research? Um, well, this is where it gets complicated. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because um, it will depend on the exchange rate. So, an the amount exchange of it, rate? 20, yeah, so $28,000 would go to the States. Yeah. Because that's, that's your storage fee. Uh-huh. Then we would probably spend another fifteen or so on... Uh, the expenses of actually carrying out the standby, the shipping, and etc. Um, and then five thousand. And nobody makes any money out of that. So when you move a body, well, obviously nobody if makes you any have money. A third-party service provider, for oh, example, right. an airline carrying out shipping, they yeah. make profit. Right. Yes. So but you have to pay. So you have to pay them. Obviously, we have to pay the airline for shipping. They're not a charity. Right. And presumably, you have but, to. But that applies to a hospital. You go into a hospital. The people that make the instruments make money. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't uh, object. Know. I don't object to uh, to what you're doing, Tim. I think it's a brilliant piece of business. I think it's fantastic. You it's, can convince people. It's not a business. You can, I know you keep saying that, but I mean, it is a business, and you know very well, well that it's it a isn't, business because the judge said so, and the oh, judge right. knows a bit more about it than you do. Okay, well, there's no need to be objectionable, Tim. I'm just trying to find out what it is that you do. <laughs> you're being objectionable, I'm afraid. No, I'm questioning what you do, Tim. You're you, trying, you, you're trying to suggest that ju- the judge is wrong, which makes no sense. Well, judges have been wrong. They have been wrong. Judges have been wrong, Tim. You know, they don't always have every single piece of wisdom in the world. Sometimes people well, appeal and it might not if be the judge, if the not... judge was wrong the charities commission will appeal to the next level so, so tim if well, you maybe are, they will if you are a charity uh, how much how many donations do you get from the general public i mean do you get a lot of people donating money to you we have about 50 regular members who pay a monthly donation right uh, and obviously people who are not members give us uh, five thousand pounds towards our ongoing costs right okay because it's not really fair that they well i suppose we'd like to be able to offer it all for free but we just don't not on a scale where we can okay so we have to collect a fee and that is normal i mean you go to the national trust they charge you to look around the houses don't they yeah, yes but, they yeah, do, but but if you want to look around a house if you want to look around a house tim you don't go to the national trust and say um where is the house and they say oh we haven't built it yet but give us the money now anyway <laughs> which is effectively what you're doing uh, no, it is. You're not. You, I'm not paying. I'm not collecting money to return you to life. I'm collecting what are you doing money then? to carry to out the body stabilization transport. Mm-hmm. See, this is where it's and genius. The, and the judge clearly stated that the the end costs of storage and reanimation are nothing to do with our charitable status because that's not what we do. Yeah, but this is why it's a genius business, Tim. I'm trying to give you a compliment it's not here. A business. I know you keep saying that, 
But it is a business. You're collecting money from people who no, expect... No, businesses are conducted for profit. It's not. No, they're not. Well, tell that to John Lewis and partners. You've just lost 99% of their profit uh, in the last year. They're still a business. Well, that's just a bad business, isn't it? Oh, but it's still a business, though, right? So profit it's is not... So, so profit is not actually the, the definition... No, profit is not the definition of a business. You are no, running a business, is. okay? You somehow managed to get yourself charitable status, and I'm very happy for you, Tim, and I'm very glad that you're doing what you're doing. But I don't know why you can't accept the compliment that it's a genius idea because you're effectively selling, you know, ice to the Eskimos. I'm not selling anything. Look, if you sign, if you came right, to so me, if I give you I sign up for Chronics, I, w- I will say it's not my choice; it's yours. And if you choose not to sign up, I'm quite happy for you to die and be buried. It doesn't really. That's bother. a bit harsh. <laughs> Tim, how, how many how many <laughs> Brits have you had sign up for your your service? Uh, well, we've got 50 regular pay members, but in the UK, there's over 100 people with a contract so with ha- a service provider in the States. Right, OK. And and the only storage is over in America, so you have to go and be stored over there sort of thing. Yeah, at the moment, yeah. Okay. Have, you, know, you, got, have you got an office I can visit, Tim? Have you got an office I can visit? Uh, no, we, we don't make enough money to pay for an office, unfortunately. So where is Chronix UK registered as a business, then? Well, well, a charity, by definition, is just the sum of its trustees. Yeah, but does it not it have to have an address? Happen. Yeah, it'll be the trustee's address, and that is what it is. So you don't um, have an office? Um, no, we don't have an office. Uh-huh. Right. What about the people the, you deal with trust- in America? What What do they have? Do they have an office? They have a huge building, yeah, where they keep their patients. Where they keep the patients. Patients. So, uh, what, they're, they're, they're not really patients, dead, are they? <laughs> really, aren't they? So they're like, dead bodies, well, aren't yeah, they? Because, because what you're confusing is the definition of legal and clinical death with information theoretic death, which are not the same thing. All right, so, so like, can I talk to these people who are not dead then? <laughs> no idea eh? what he just no, said. No, but also you can't talk to anyone who's in cardiac arrest, but they're not still not dead until you say they are dead. Uh-huh. Right, okay. And they also, even when they're declared dead, they still haven't suffered information theoretic death. The right. person is still there. So when you transport these people, you're not transporting dead bodies then? Only in a legal sense. In a legal sense? Well, that's kind of the sense we all have to deal with, isn't it? No. I mean, you, if you say to the no, airline, no, no, right? That's, that's if you... the sense that the law deals with, well, but what... it's not the sense that science deals well, with. What about, why, what about the airline? That's why you have CPR. Well, what about... when somebody stops breathing, they're still not necessarily... No, dead. I know that, but you're not. Yeah but, yeah, but hang on, Tim. You can't perform CPR when they get to America and they come back to life, do they? No, we do it before then. No, but they're not before alive, are they? Them down. They're not alive. They're not legally alive. No, they're not alive in but, any sense. And not, but the person who's had a heart attack isn't <laughs> clinically alive either. That's not true. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. No, it's not. It's a cessation of vital signs. So if you have a heart, no, no, no. even if you come back 10 minutes later, you've been dead for 10 minutes. Right, so the people that you're transporting to America, are they dead or alive? Uh, they have suffered information, or they haven't <laughs> suffered information, theoretic death. Sorry. I'll tell you what, no, I think, I think I'm suffering information they're, they're, death They're the legally I'm dead. I'm getting any information. No, they are legally they're, dead. They're, they're legal, legally and clinically dead. Do you have yes. a death certificate for Technically. them? Yes, we will. Have so they're dead then. Out of the you can't get a death certificate if you're not dead, can you? I don't know. Well, Sometimes I, I it can, feels I like could it. Probably, I could probably get a death certificate for someone who's resuscitatable. That's quite simple. Really? Because yeah, So well, you know a lot more example, about this business you, than I thought you did. It's not a business. Um, <laughs> so, for example, when you're in hospital and dying of cancer, yeah. you, in theory, you could be resuscitatable when you have a cardiac arrest. That's Most true. That's you're not, not you, resuscitated. Yeah, but that's because you haven't been declared dead yet. 
No, but they, but what I'm saying is they have a do not resuscitate order, and the reason is that the, the reason they have that is because they are resuscitatable. So in other words, we yeah. declare them dead when they're still resuscitatable. Yeah, but you're not if you if you have a resuscitatable corpse in front of you, which is not dead because it can be resuscitated, it's not dead. Simple. But it's clear it's clinically dead, and it can be declared legally dead. If it's dead, it can be declared legally dead. I'll yeah. tell you what, boys, I'm no, losing the will no, to live in. Yeah. Full no, stop. No, can I can I go and visit? Can I go and can I go and visit the big building in America? That's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd like to have. A Does he have to be dead? Can I? Yeah, do I have to be dead? No, afraid not. No, <laughs> you see, he's totally nasty again. What about uh, what about letting me in for a guided tour? What do you reckon? Yeah, no problem. Could I, I, have to book, could I follow? Could I follow? I mean, could we do? Because here's a great idea, right? I'm full of these great ideas today. Oh, God, could yes. we do a documentary on the next body that you transport to the US of A? Could we film it? Uh, you'd have a slight problem there because one of the hospital will probably say no. Which hospital? The relatives will probably say no. Whichever one we end up in. All right. Um, and well, would you mind? Would you mind? Say no. Well, would you so mind? You won't get anyone's consent. Would you mind trying to see if you could get some of them to consent for us? Well, after this conversation, probably not. Why not? You're going to be a pain, aren't you? Why am I going to be a pain? I'm just in for, I'm looking for information, Tim. I mean, well, I could be a potential customer of yours. I don't think you should be talking to me in such a rude manner. If, if, if you look hard enough on the internet, well, I get what I get. Um, or give what I get, should I say. You give what you um, get. Or do you get what you get? Yeah. I don't really, do you? Yeah, whatever. No, I don't know. I'm no. Um, if you look on the internet, there are actually videos of chronic preservations. Uh huh. Uh huh. But look, if, it, if, if this is a charity, which it quite clearly it's, is, no, it's Mike, it's business. been established it a as a charity. Um, any case, if it is a charity, Tim, then obviously, surely people would be very, very happy to have the whole process filmed and made as a documentary because they want to raise money for the charity. Yeah, true. Well, you mean in the same way that everybody wants their funerals filmed? I don't think so. Well, my funeral isn't a charity, well, though. Funeral's is it? not a charity. No. Funeral's not a charity. Also, they're not dead, so they can't be having a funeral, can well, they? Well, <laughs> co-op funeral services is charity, huh? Co-op is a business. It's a non-profit. <laughs> no, it's a business, though, isn't it? It's a co-op. That's what co-op yeah, means. But it's not a, a charity. It's not a charity. Team. No, but All it right. is. But it's a non-profit. It's a business. It's very similar characteristics. It's a business. Anyway. I win. Tim and, Gibson, thank you very much thank indeed. You, Spokesman for Cryonics UK. I wanted to ask him how close they were to actually reanimating the people that <laughs> aren't dead. That's tremendous. <laughs> What a great business. It is a brilliant business. It's a charity. It's not a a charity. It's a business. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Dawn Neeson is here. According to uh, the charitable uh, uh, guidelines, right? Uh, here's how to find out whether or not uh, you should become a charity. Okay, you will pay reduced business rates. Yeah. Even though you're not a business, mm-hmm. you will receive tax relief, mm-hmm. and you can get certain types of grants Got and funding. funding. Yeah. Uh, however, you can be restricted in what you can do. For example, uh, follow charity law, which includes telling the charity commission and the public about their work. Now, listening to Tim there, I don't believe. That that anyone would think that the description of what the company does is, in it's, fact, a charitable no, work. No, because it's, it's not an experiment. It's Well, th- th- it? th- I think they're claiming, and I think that is a technicality, they are claiming that it is 
a medical research charity. Yeah, but it's not, though, is it? No, I know it's not, Mike. And I think you made that point very, very well earlier on. Mm. Um, but I, I think that is the technicality that they've got, got away I mean, with it a, on. Uh, this is a guy who wants us to... I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, we can we can be absolutely certain that a judge has disagreed with the Charities Commission and with us, and yep. the judge has said that they are, in fact, a yes. charity. However, um, it seems to me that what they're doing uh, is nothing to do with a charitable work. No. Uh, here's one from uh, Lizzie who says, Mike, uh, Mike uh, surely with cryogenics for, last, for that year, 3000 AD, uh, Lazarection, the human brain, would need to be neurally sparked. This would be difficult, especially if the undead had lost their humanity and moral integrity. Imagine that. Right. So okay. imagine waking up Lazarus it's, after all this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And saying, well, I'm afraid, Lazarus, you know, things have changed a bit since you were last in yeah. the cave. And now but, we've rolled away the stone. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid life's going to be a yeah. bit more different for you. I think you. we're wandering into walking dead territory yeah, here, we are. aren't we now? We are. Well, that's another story altogether. Maybe set up a zombie <laughs> charity, see how far you get. Let's talk to you in Rygate. Hello, Hugh. Hi, Mike. Hi, Dawn. Hi, uh... Now, listen, is it a business or not? Of course, it, of course it's a business. I mean, <laughs> it's not a business. You know, they will be paying salaries, they will be paying paying uh, their staff and all that sort of stuff. Well, he correctly reckons work. they are all volunteers, but they've got to pay the people that move the well, body. It, it, it's a, I'm, I've never, I mean, this, this world is coming to an end, it really is. <laughs> it's I all mean, right, there's, there's a solution, just go and freeze yourself. We should start a campaign now to get that judge taken off any bench. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, good grief. I mean, you know, they're conning people out of their money. Um, well, you know, he says they're not. He says they're parting with it perfectly willingly, which I suppose means... Well, no, listen, well, I prefer to look at it as not so much of them conning people, but just being brilliant at what they do. Because that's what a con man does. Well, they're convincing... believe they're giving him his, their money for... for yeah, but the problem if you, yeah, but if you call them a con man and they've just been granted charitable status, they're going to sue you, Hugh, and um, then they'll get your money as well. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I haven't got much, so they, no, right, they, okay. they can try if they want. I mean, honestly, I mean, the, the, the judge is obviously a maniac. Mm. Um, you know, it's no wonder we have any you know, <laughs> legal system that's falling apart. Well, I mean, um, I'm sure he's got his reasons. But, I mean, you know, the point is, the bottom line is, if people are stupid enough to give their money to something that might happen after they're dead in about 50 years' time, you know, you can't blame someone. It's a bit like the, the bloke selling, you know, bottled water and wheelie bins. You no, know? no, I can't, blame, idea. I can't blame them for, uh, for, for actually uh, putting the, the business together. Yeah, but I can it's blame not a business. It's not a business, Hugh, not a business. Not to pay tax. Yeah. You know, I mean, we worry about Facebook and Amazon and yeah. we get very excited about that. And you, and you get an example like this. It, yeah. it's, it's madness. Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure when I, I don't know if you remember this, but it was way, way years ago on the overnight show on TalkSport, I interviewed the guy in America who is at the other end of this who yeah, stores, who that, stores the bodies, right? Mm. Now, I don't remember him telling me that it was a non-profit organisation because he was putting all the money somewhere. Yeah. Well, of course it is. I mean, you know, they're taking... You know, how can it, the price for it vary from 28000 to 250000 yeah. That You know, that, that is a con. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, the point is, is that 100,000 goes into some kind of a trust fund, right? But if it's a trust fund for the recipient who's dead, or rather undead, um, <laughs> you know, you just never know if you're going to pick it up, do you? I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't remember whether he's got a death certificate or not at this stage. I well, no, I, yeah, I was, I was losing the will to live on no, that right, one, okay. to be honest. You listen, thanks very much Thank indeed. Thank you. Ago, and it's gone right to my head No matter where I roam on the land or the sea or the phone. 
I don't want you to think that uh, we're drink obsessed on this show because we do occasionally at this time uh, on, say, a Friday, perhaps Possibly, towards the end of a month. Just occasionally. Get a little wine tasting yeah. thing going on. Yeah. Maybe a little beer tasting. In fact, we've got a gin lord coming in at some point. Ooh. I'm hoping soon. Right, okay. Uh, to do a bit of gin tasting. I could have probably gin, done without this morning, to be honest. Uh, yeah, a bit of hair of the dog, perhaps. <laughs> um, but according to a study in Australia, of all places, a researcher from the University of Adelaide uh, called Emma Mulek has come up with the plan that uh, basically public health campaigns uh, for drinkers are not very successful and not very um, effective, basically, uh, because they're failing to meet uh, the requirements that will actually make people change their behaviour. What she's saying uh, is that instead of telling people not to drink because it's bad for them, you should be telling them not to drink uh, because of other reasons like loss of respectability, uh, failing to meet um, other responsibilities that you should have, um, and letting people down and all that kind of thing. I, I think she's got a point as Do well. You? Because Have you, you let a lot of people down because you're drinking? <laughs> no, Mike, not yet, but there's Excellent. always an opportunity. But I, I think she's I mean, it's referring to certain age groups as well as middle-aged drinkers, isn't it? We care more Apparently about... Apparently we're the worst. We care more about the effect on image than on health. Yes. Because, let's face it, these days you are bombarded by health Nazi messages about yeah. what you can eat, what you can drink, yeah. you can't do this, you can't do that. So it all goes a bit above your head yeah. in the end. Right. It's like how many units you can have, how many you well, can't have. The Cardi advert where they where they did it was it a couple of years ago where they've got this massive party going yeah. on, sort of flamethrowers everywhere yeah. and then at the end it just goes please drink responsibly, responsibly yeah and you kind of go well hang on you're having some kind of a mad fire party and what are you talking about it's responsibility exactly let's talk to Stuart Weir uh, journalist uh, and uh, raconteur uh, I would say bon viveur even uh, Mrs Weir a very good uh, afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Just Hi, when you yeah. mentioned that, yeah, just when you mentioned that advert there about the flamethrowers, I was actually trying to drink the petrol out of them. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, you do think sometimes with the with the kind of um, the straight jacketed world that we now live in that people of our age, and I'm 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 hesitating to to bracket myself with you in the same age group. <laughs> that we're the only people having any fun. Yeah, when you said there that that, that we're the worst um, case scenario, <laughs> are we not actually, actually the best case scenario because we don't care? Well, well exactly. exactly. I mean, I mean, have you been personally affected by any of these kind of health campaigns that they've run? Because I can't say I have really. No, I think the only one I would pay attention to would be if they put a warning that your kids are likely to turn your jeans upside down and empty <laughs> all the money out the pocket. I, I think I think I would take I take care of that one. But no, mine, no. Have, mine have already done that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know I, I think it's one of these ones where the, the people that I mix with tend to be of a, a a similar ilk. Therefore, we go out for a beer or go out for a, a drink. We enjoy ourselves. We know when to stop. We know when to, um, you know, get ourselves home. It's all bed. changed since when I was up there, then. Well, it has, <laughs> that's, because, that's because of the pricing policy they've got. Oh, right. Scotland. Yeah, because now it's you know, the old white lightning's gone to about 14 quid a bottle, isn't it? It is. It, it, crack cocaine's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, all over the country by the sounds of it. Has that actually no. changed people's um, lifestyles up there as far as the pricing goes? I don't think so. I don't think it has. You know, no doubt somebody will have a study somewhere that will say, yeah, that there, there, there's two less hospital appointments a, a week or a month um, than there was previously. But I don't think it's changing anybody that much. I think you just um, save up more right. to have a night, a night out, and you have to save up. But again, it's if you if you're so desperate to go and have a, a drink, regardless of your social class or your income you'll you'll manage it or you'll achieve it in some way shape yeah. or form and Absolutely. i think that's it i think you know i think the, the kind of 
the kind of nanny state and and all of these uh, you know the kind of research that goes on. I, I mean, I went to my doctor for my usual yearly MOT checkup, and he asked me how much are you drinking. Mm. I said, well, I can't I can't really tell you. He said, why? He said, do you drink fourteen units a week? I said, well, no. I said, but I might drink all of my fourteen units in one go. Um, for a month <laughs> over one weekend. Right. He went, oh, so you're a binge drinker. I went, no, I wouldn't class myself that either. But that's so, the thing. So... They, have to, they have to mark it down in a box all the yes, time. Don't they? Exactly, they have to work yeah. out whether you're a binge drinker, whether you're a steady drinker, whether you're a heavy drinker. Do you know what I mean? It's all this ridiculous but kind of if measurement. if you're a woman, the definition of binge drinking, from what I was reading the other day, yeah. is like three glasses of wine. Really? That's binge drinking. Is it? Yeah. It's in a one short day. binge. In one day. Very short binge. <laughs> but that's can, not can, binge drinking. That's mad. So that's Can you be why. an occasional binger? Can you be an occasional <laughs> binge drinker? Well, I think is you can. Possible? I think you can. But, I mean, binging surely is more than, you know, three glasses. I'm, well, I would have thought so. But that's why I'm more concerned with sort of like falling over in a drunken state and flashing me knickers yeah. rather than having three glasses of wine for me health. Yes. And I think that's more or less what the study says, that, that the people who are drinking the most, which is our age group, yeah. is effectively only worried about embarrassing themselves. Yes. And so, therefore, until you get to that point, <laughs> you just carry on. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who obviously don't care. <laughs> yeah. But it well, is, again, there is a gender difference because drunk women are viewed more negatively than drunken men. Yes. Well, yeah. well I'm, you know, I'm, as a person, personally, I would say they're equally as bad. I mean, there's nothing worse than being cornered is, yeah, by either one of yeah, them, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, no, it is. I but... mean, Stuart Weir used to corner me on a regular basis, but <laughs> quite often I think he was sober. <laughs> That's an old trick. That's an old trick of mine. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I mean, I mean, the thing is, though, even even in, in the workplace, I mean, when I'm in, I'm in back into newspapers for a period of time, and thought, you know, to myself, right, Friday, Friday lunchtime, yeah, clap, clap the hands, right, guys, let's go, and there's people turning into their, you know, are, are tucking into their, their their lentil souffle and 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 drinking their the parsley uh, smoothies yes. and all the rest of it. Right. I mean, what's that about? Yeah, I, I mean, you, yeah. You would, Listen, you, you think you would think to yourself, yeah, uh, this is making me better. Hold on, you're a journalist. This is one of the most stressed jobs in the world. Yeah. So don't think just because you drink some vegetables at lunchtime is going to make you, uh, <laughs> the, the situation any better. Well, you're also not going to meet anybody who's going to tell you anything while you're sitting at your desk. No, that's well, true. Right, and I also I also had my vegetables on my five a day, which was usually a portion of chips along with my Bloody Mary. So yeah. I, I mean, I, I basically calculated over the course. Also, of Also, if day. you have all the salad on a kebab, you know that's pretty much does <laughs> you for two oh, or three on, days. Hold on, Bloody Mary, tomato juice, that's tomato. That's one. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and celery, celery. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah wine, grapes, fruit and veg. The chips, that's me. I'm up, up to date, I'm up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, you know, if, if I was to ask you seriously, do you feel any less healthy? Uh, for the drink that you take, would you say yes or no? I, I would say absolutely not. No. I don't. I don't feel any different. I mean, I, I, I would say that when I played sport to a certain level, I felt worse after playing sport than I ever <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah, I, I ever did after after having a drinking session. Yeah. Usually, revived me from. Yeah, well, you were saying you went for a bike ride. I went the for a bike ride on Very Saturday, unwise. and I felt dreadful afterwards, and then sort of like slept for pretty much twelve hours mm. and was perfectly revived by a glass of red wine. There you go. Thank you very much. I mean, it's so, all about moderation, isn't it? It is, no, absolutely. And mm. uh, we were Not saying, that I practised that, <laughs> But we were saying, Mike, earlier on, we, I can't remember a really embarrassing thing I've done through drink. So 
Really? I, no. I think that's part of the problem. You can't remember what you've done. <laughs> if you could remember, you know, obviously you wouldn't do it no, anymore. No, that waking up the next morning going, oh, my Lord, yeah. I didn't. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think I've done that. No. Okay. But, you know, haven't lost the opportunity. No. And, I mean, there are lots of very entertaining stories uh, of people who can't remember what they did, but everybody else can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, actually, I'm one of those people. Yeah. I, I'm actually one of those people who can get absolutely hammered yeah. and still have total recall and everything that's Ooh, taking place ow, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a dangerous guy to know or mm. I, I, either that or a very good guy <laughs> yeah. somebody, when somebody asks you have you any idea where i parked the car yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah well that's yeah well that probably, and that's and that's a week later because you didn't realize you'd actually taken the car out <laughs> presumably i mean it is ridiculous isn't it so i mean what are you doing so you're sojourned back into newspapers i take it as is no longer it's no longer. I'm, I'm, I'm still writing for newspapers, yeah. but um, actually, actually being paid up on a, on a full time basis by them. That has uh, that that is long gone. All oh, right. Okay. Well. And, and so 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 I've started drinking again. So I feel much better. <laughs> exactly right. Well, I shall have to come and join you for one soon. Uh, cheers, Stuart. Weir. Thank, Thank you very you. much indeed. Yeah. Cheers. Quite uh, literally. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show ten to one Monday to. Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 